This is The Real Magic Podcast. Learn about great design and use it to get great results. Now your hosts, Greg Merrilies and Alan Nunez. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining Greg and I today for The Real Magic Design Podcast, where we try and unpack our experience to help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing designs and work together to make design that's profitable. I'm Alan from Pixel Partners, and here is my fabulous, awesome co-host, Greg, from Studio One Design. Don't talk me up too much, buddy. <laughs> a bit of a love fest, mate. Come on. We'll yeah, get yeah, yeah. We've got to be careful. It's not too much of a love fest. So how are you, buddy? Anyway, what's happening? Mate, I'm, I'm awesome. I'm killer, man. And I'm excited about this topic today because I have some really big bugbears about it. What are we talking about today on the podcast? Talking about colour and how to use colour wisely in design. Yes. And you're specifically going to talk about the choice of colours and I've got my two cents worth to put in that and I am going to let loose on the how and why of colour production, right? Because a lot of business owners, and I hate to say it and I apologise to designers out there who do know, but a lot of designers also get this fundamentally wrong. And I've seen it from, you know, designers that are working for big multinationals right down to one-man bands, you know. So really thinking about how the items are going to be produced when you're designing is important. Yeah, cool, man. Well, what have you been up to this week? To be honest, it's it's been a little bit hectic. We've just got a lot going on. But, right, I actually did something really really nice on the weekend it was a beautiful winter's day here in sydney so it was a pleasant early to mid 20s centigrade and it was sunny and i sat out on a lounge chair in the in the the backyard and i read a book which i haven't done in a long time so it was really really i mean i read books all the time but you know i often read or listen to audio books while i'm doing something else or while i'm traveling so it was really nice just to take a little bit of me time and i'm going to I'm going to do that more often, I think. Yeah, it's good to focus on just one thing, isn't it? Like I do read audio. Sorry, I do listen to audio books. But uh, it's more impactful if you read and you have everything else switched off. Oh, absolutely, you know. And I'm starting to miss traditional books to a certain extent because I like making little notes in the pages and and, and dog-earing pages so I can refer back to it. So I'm going to try and, you know, maybe block out a couple of hours a week where I can just sit down and and do that which is tough when you've got a business and kids and a family and all the other obligations Mm, absolutely well cool well before we get stuck into the episode what have i been up to i bought a book as well it's a macbook pro (laughs) yes you know i've never actually had a macbook before so this is my first one and uh, i bought it because we'll be traveling soon and i just want to be able to have uh you know run the business from anywhere and on this machine you can do that now, I am a massive fan of MacBooks, and I'm going to just clarify something. You bought a MacBook Pro, yep, right? Yep. Because now Apple's re-released the MacBook range, you know, so which is a bit of a cut-down version of the Pro, which is still a very nice machine. Um, but you're going to love it. And now, you know, we spoke about this just before we hit record. I think I'm going to have to go buy a new one too. Yeah, exactly. They uh, they keep updating them, and they get just get more advanced, and oh, I love these machines. They're just so cool. <laughs> Look, a lot of people say to me, how do you justify the cost when you can just go and buy a, a PC laptop for a few hundred dollars? And, you know, I just quite simply say, firstly, they just work. You know, everything works beautifully. They're beautifully engineered and very robust. I mean, I really thrash my MacBook Pros, and... You know, I've had PC laptops in the studio and at past enterprises that I've been in, and generally I'm lucky if I get 
two years the way I treat a, a laptop out of a PC laptop. I've never had a, a Mac laptop last me any less than five years. So to me, it's a pretty good investment. There you go. Yeah, awesome, man. All righty, let's talk colour. Oh, okay, let's do it. Okay, so let's just get the most critical question out of the way because we do have a global audience. How do you spell colour? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, if you're from, well, Australia, England, um, it's C-O-L-O-U-R. But if you're from the US, it's C-O-L-O-R. All right, I'm glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> cool. So, um, but yeah, seriously, colour, what is it? I mean, it's to me, it's one of the most single important elements that make up a great design. Um, I guess you just got to look at, say, the biggest brands in the world. They treat colour like, you know, some of them, for instance, if you think of a colour, let's say purple, what, what brand do you think of? Oh, I think of things like Cadbury. I mean, it's it's you know they've they've really done a, a great job of of having that distinct colour to their product. Absolutely, and that's what I think of as well. And another uh, another brand that uses purple is Hallmark. Um, and the reason they choose these colours, it's it's not an accident. It's purely deliberate. And you know, colours evoke certain um, feelings and emotions. And there's a lot of psychological reasons why you choose a certain color in your brand. And we're just going to touch on a few brands right now that have chosen color for a certain reason. So we talked about purple, but what about red? What, what color, what brands do you think use red and why do you think they use them? Oh, look, I, I, you know, one of the best brands that uses red and uses exceptionally well is Coke. Um, I mean, I did a Facebook post a little while back. I was, I was traveling in China and I was on my iPhone on Skype to my five-year-old daughter and I picked up a can of Coke and had a sip and inadvertently just picked it up and it, it glimpsed into the shot, but it was in Chinese. I mean, it wasn't in English, right? And she said, oh, daddy, you're having a Coke. So they've got the color right, the brand right, and they brought it all together that it is just absolutely recognizable. Why did they change it to green? <laughs> I don't know, but let me tell you, have you seen where those green cans have ended up in your supermarkets? No, I haven't. I've been watching it very carefully because I think it's a very interesting case study. And and look, don't get me wrong, Coke tests a lot of stuff, right? Mm. So even um, when you look at Coke Zero, if you look at the history of Coke Zero and how it went from Diet Coke, and Diet Coke still exists for a different market, to Coke Zero, um, the evolution of their colour and their packaging to get the right balance of black and red... Uh, was very interesting, and I'm sure they brought this green out just to test the market, but I've watched it in my local supermarkets move from front and centre. It is now in the back corner over near the milk stacks, just, I guess, praying that they're going to be able to sell the stock. Wow, that's interesting. (laughs) I think that's a mistake. Somebody should lose their job over that. Yeah, possibly, but it just doesn't feel right, does it, the green Coke can? No, no. Yeah, so. But I guess you don't know until you test it, do you? That's true. Yeah, so good on for giving it a go. But, uh, yeah, it just feels wrong. Can I pick a colour? Pick a colour. My favourite colour in printing and, and web design, orange. <laughs> uh, Fanta. <laughs> Definitely Fanta. Nickelodeon, I've got little kids, you've got little kids. Of course, of course. Nick and Nick Jr. and all the stuff that they do. So orange, right? What do you think about orange as a colour for design? Yeah, it's it's a – well, I mean, orange evokes playful – kind of emotion you know there's playfulness there's it's fun but as far as design goes i actually find it a little bit offensive i'm not a fan of orange it's just an in-between color that 
I, I don't know. I just don't like it. I would use it perhaps as a contrast color to an overall color palette if I needed to put attention on a call to action button, for instance. But generally speaking, I wouldn't use much of it in a design. Look, I've worked with a number of brands that have orange as either one of their primary colors or their primary color. And just a word of warning, if orange suits your brand and you can make it work well, definitely use it. But be aware, it is actually, from a production point of view, it is a really, really exceptionally difficult color to work with. It is hard to get orange to match across different production types and media it's hard to um, have it look really good online you know you have to be very very careful about the orange that you choose so companies like nick or nickelodeon and fanta they would put a massive effort in getting that that orange consistent i mean i had a a client who had their own specially mixed pms ink for them because they just could not get it right any other way mm, okay it's interesting so it ended up being a spot color Yes, but their own spot colour. It yep. was specifically mixed for their brand, you know, wow. which made production really difficult, especially if they, you know, they wanted to do something, for example, wide format, you know, you can't put a PMS colour into or a spot colour into a wide format machine. So it did cause them a lot of uh, extra added cost. Um, but for them, it was beneficial. I mean, they went to the point where they would have their the paint colours for their retail stores specially mixed. Um, it would be cross-checked, so they would actually have reference cards and double check yeah orange is a tough color to work with for all those reasons that you mentioned and yeah i, I just don't like the look of it <laughs> I, I understand it's technically difficult to work with as well so let's get on to yellow yellow's um you know a bright cheerful warm friendly color brands that use it are brands like mcdonald's batman uh, can you think of any others that would use yellow uh, no, you got me on that. Um, the first, I mean, I just think of McDonald's. You know, it's interesting. Ferrari actually use yellow in their logo. Even though when I think of Ferrari, I think of red. But um, their logo is yellow, which um, seems a bit odd. Maybe they used it as a contrast against the red, perhaps. Yeah. Look, I use yellow a lot in retail campaigns. Like, I, I do like that yellow and red combo yep. that Ferrari uses. I find it, it really, it's a striking combination of two colours. Um, I don't know if I have ever recommended anybody use bright yellow in their logo, um, but, I'm you know, McDonald's is a great case study for using it exceptionally well, but they're also red and yellow. You know, so it's it's not just singular colours sometimes that we've got to think about. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah, these are – we're just talking about singular colours, but, yeah, obviously you need to think about an entire colour palette, um, you know, if you are rebranding or designing a website. But, um, yeah, it's just interesting that these, these companies – and when you think of these colours, you can really think, like, let's say blue. I mean, you know, one of the biggest social media platforms out there. In fact, a few of them use it, but <laughs> – which one in particular do you think uh, is... Oh, look, I mean, bl Blue, I mean, Facebook, absolutely. And I think Blue yeah. is an interesting choice for Facebook because Blue is traditionally, you know, a very uh, corporate colour. I mean, it's it's almost the colour of choice. When somebody comes and says, oh, I want to be, uh, I want a business-to-business -business logo or a business-to-business -business design and I want royal blue or I want a strong blue as the, as the colour because it is just traditionally a very trustworthy, solid colour. Exactly, and that's the, the main emotion that uh, that it evokes. Yeah, trust. So that's cool, man. Now, green, um, so green's a very natural, earthy, friendly kind of colour. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, Greenpeace use that 
colour, obviously, but you would think someone like BP that went through a massive brand change maybe a decade ago, you know, I guess they'd probably chosen that colour, green to sort of yellow, to, to make people think that they're natural and earthy and friendly. Oh, they definitely did. I mean, they had green in their logo originally, but they've gone for a slightly brighter green and they've reshaped it to be more earthy and, and, and natural. And, I mean, mm. interestingly enough, I'm actually I, – I quite like the use of, of green in logos. I, I think it's a, it's a very recognisable, friendly colour. You know, I mean, we always think of – I mean, everybody goes for green and earthy browns when they want to talk – you know, enviro-friendly and all that yep. kind of stuff. But I think it's also, you know, it's a go colour. It's a safe colour. It's a, yeah. you know, when you see green, it's like, yeah, this is good. You know, green just indicates all the, the, the good things. Yeah, absolutely. Then we'll get on to, say, more neutral colours. And, I mean, Apple use silver throughout everything that they do. And uh, so do Mercedes, you know. And, in fact, when I think of silver you know if i think of mercedes i actually think i picture a silver mercedes in my mind obviously it's their logo as well but yeah the reasons you know they do that is because it's a classy color it's a calm color and it's quite neutral and i think too silver is actually i mean it is a more expensive thing to produce right so it does kind of often get limited to those who have the higher priced uh, products uh, to use. I mean, we just did a rebrand for a client who had a blue and yellow core brand colour scheme. Actually, no, sorry. We did this rebrand. We'd started this rebrand probably about eight years ago, but it took a while to get it out into their their retail packaging. Um, but we've done that. We've gone with that neutral 40% grey as, as an offset or non-silver component and then wherever possible they are using a silver foil stamp and the reputation that company's had since they've changed those colors has been phenomenal they are now perceived as one of the higher end products in the market even though the product hasn't changed the price point hasn't changed it's just a perception yeah absolutely and then if you think about gold gold has a higher value perception than silver but it's a colour that at the moment is not really on trend. So it just it feels a little bit overdone and a little bit like you're trying too hard when you use gold. And more brands tend to use silver because it's more neutral than, than gold because it's so bold. And it's a little bit easier to work with with silver. I mean, you can put silver with just about anything and it'll work. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's black. And black is a really sophisticated sort of high-end color. Um, it's quite dark as well. Uh, but if you're going to use it on a website, try not to use it too much because white text on dark backgrounds can be really hard to read, especially outdoors. Yes. And, and, and black, you can make bold statements in print with black, but you have to be able to easily reverse it for web because you just can't do the same things online as you do in print with black. Yeah. And black in print, there's many different types of ways of, of making a black, isn't there, in print? Yeah, look, I mean, this is one of my, my bugbears too, and, 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 you know, we're going to talk about it down the track, but people using the wrong blacks when they're designing, right? Because, you know, you there's RGB black, right? And then there's CMYK black, which is made from a single ink, and then there's a mixed black. So you can actually have what we call it in our team a super black, right, which is made up of laying four the black ink with the three other colour inks over the top, which when you use a block colour in in print it actually comes out really really dark black whereas your normal one colour ink it's almost a dark charcoal 
But I see people using these wrong. So you should never use a super black on text, for example. When you are doing solid blocks, if you've got other blacks, you've got to make sure they're all a consistent black. It's, it's, I think this is where we start getting into the technical side of things, you know, is that mm. you know, black on a screen, an RGB black uses all three color pixels to create the black. So they tend to be quite strong blacks. That's why they use black for text. You know, it's very contrasty, right? But in other print mediums, you know, you can make mistakes and then your finished product does not look anywhere near as good as it should if you don't set it up correctly. So, you know, make sure you've got a designer that is experienced in designing in that medium. I mean, no offence to you, Greg, because I know, you know, these days you're primarily web, but you have a strong print background. I see a lot of web designers using the wrong blacks in print production. Yeah, I can imagine. And for us as a wholesale team, it's a huge undertaking to go and fix it, especially if they haven't set the files up correctly using colour swatches and things like that. Yeah, awesome. And so what is a good percentage of black from all the four colours of CMYK? You actually need to check with your printer because they will have different standards depending on the machine. Uh, Yeah, we do um, do 100, 60, 40, 40. So 100% black and then 60% yellow 40 percent cyan and magenta yeah nice yeah i heard it has to add up to in between 200 and 250 yes depending on the stock yeah that's correct but the the nice thing about it too is is you can make your print stuff look somewhat unique by skewing those values and having a cooler or a warmer black and and again people don't realize you can have a cool black and a warm black and you can see that in the pms in the the spot color um, swatch yeah. books but in CMYK you can definitely do it by you know dropping one of those values and leaning it more towards yellow or or cyan and you can you can have particularly if you're using it next to images you can have the black uh, work better with the images it's a, it's a very interesting game if you want to play get you ask your printer to do you some test swatches if they don't have a color book yeah that's true yeah um, but yeah some business owners are probably going to sleep right now <laughs> so <laughs> but look, that's okay. I mean, business owners, you've got to understand that that you know there's a huge technical side to color, yeah, right? It's not just about picking random colors. You have to think about it in the format that you're going to use it. So can I give a, a, a quick little example yeah. of that, right? So I've got a client at the moment that works in the automotive industry, right? So you'd almost put him in that same bundle as, as BP, right? Yeah. And we strategically picked green and grey as their their brand colours, right? And we really, really wanted the brightest green that we could get. So we actually made a strategic decision where possible to use a very bright green online, right? A very bright green in their uniforms and wherever possible. So we print things like mouse pads and pens. We'll use a PMS fluoro green. It's actually a fluorescent green ink, right? And all their other material is printed in CMYK, so it's very dry and very drab mm-hmm. compared to it. However, we made that sacrifice because we preferred to have 70% of the material in the fluoro and sacrifice the other material rather than sacrifice everything because we couldn't afford to do, you know, fluoro on, on all the items. Yeah, fair enough too, yeah. And you can do a fluoro spot colour if the machine, you know, allows for it. Is that right? Look, you absolutely can, but today's printing is generally what's called gang printing. Yeah. So if you order 500 or 1,000 business cards, they're going to be printed up with 40 other cards. Uh, and yeah. they're on a single run, which is generally a CMYK, a four-colour run, 
So oh, unless you can afford to have your business cards plated separately and run on its <clears> own <throat> run, having that fluoro color or that PMS color or that specific color does get quite a bit more expensive. Right. So anything uh, classed as a spot color, whether it's a foil or a fluoro or whatever, is, uh, yeah. Not so much a foil. A foil is a separate production run. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Right. Yeah, so the foil's done after the printing. But if you want to have a specific ink, so, you know, examples of those would be fluorescent orange, fluorescent yellow, a silver ink. So there is silver PMS color inks. So yeah. that same client I, ma- I mentioned that we rebranded, we've just done some really nice shipping cartons for them. And they're only one color and they're a metallic silver and they look gorgeous. So, nice, you know, but knowing those things is super important when you're designing in the first stages, you know. Yeah. So if you're a designer, you need to ask your client, can you afford to go down this path? Because I've seen clients get hooked on these amazing designs with beautiful colors and the design itself is just fabulous, yet once it came to production costs, they just got absolutely knocked, b- b- bowled off their, off their seat because, you know, business cards that should have cost them, you know, $200, $100 for a set was now going to cost them five to $700 for a set because of the colour selection. So, you know, make sure you have that right. Look, and that kind of leads into... You know, I guess, how do you create a color palette for your brand? Like what, I mean, I'm I'm whinging about technical issues that I see commonly in design for businesses and and business owners, sorry, you guys can be just as much at at fault where you say, I really want X, Y, Z without considering the production value. So that leads me to Greg, you know, what, what are the main things when you're creating a color palette for a brand or a website or um, any design? Where, where do you start? It's a big process. And, you know, I really want to get the point across that we do go through a lot of steps and we're going to explain those steps now um, because some people might think, yeah, oh, you just pick a red because you like it. But um, you know, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. And so here's the process that, that we use. Um, now, for a start, we like to use a limited color palette if we're creating a website or a brand. And the main reason is because it's more memorable, um, it's easier on the eye, and it's not confusing. So it just gives a brand a better chance to have a life. Here's our technique, right? So when we're approaching color and designing the color palette for a brand or a website, the first thing we want to think about is the emotional and psychological response to color. And we talked about the colors in our initial section where we're talking about what brands use different colors and for what reasons. And if you get online, there's lots of color wheels that goes through the whole spectrum of color to tell you what each color means from an from a emotional or psychological point of view. So first of all, we work out what's the age group for the product or website that we're designing for. Is it kids versus teens versus adults? Is it, you know, male versus female or unisex? And then we'll pick a color palette that, you know, pretty much resonates with, with that uh, demographic. Um, and we also have to think of uh, what's trending at the moment, like uh, what season it is, for instance. And we really want to just make sure that we ant- when we that's sort of the starting point that we, we need to know the answers to all those before we start to, to do the research. And so it's based on what we know above. And then the next step would be to, um, you know, have a look at the, the competitors' websites or products that we're designing for. We have a look on, you know, sites like Pinterest. Another good resource that I often use 
for color palettes are magazines, um, especially home improvement magazines. They really have put a lot of thought into color palettes and limited color palettes at that. So get a lot of inspiration from them. Another couple of places to look would be, you know, advertisements, posters, signage, TV, etc. Um, and just general day-to-day life. You might just see something that catches your eye. Yeah, look, I, I love that. I'm going to actually probe a little deeper on this, if that's all right. Yeah. So, yeah, firstly, I, I love what you're saying about going out and looking. Adobe has actually developed an app, which is a color palette app. Have you seen that yet? It, it's it's yes. a mobile app. You can take a photo of something and then you can use that photo to grab the color palette from that scene. So, you know, you might take a sunset and it'll grab all the different tones from that and suggest a color palette, which is very, very cool. Right? Very so cool. Definitely go out and, and gain inspiration from everything from, you know, day-to-day life, natural colors, and send that business owners. Create yourself a little folder with all these things in it and see if there's some consistencies. And if even if you don't see consistencies, give it to your designer because they will be able to get out of that, you know, some inspiration. And they may veto it. They may say, look, they're great colors, but they're just not going to work from your brand based on the other elements, right? Yeah, yeah. But let me ask you this, right? You talked about demographic and age group and target market. And this is one I find really, really difficult because, you know, you say, oh, is it male versus female? Is it teens versus adults? But how often do you get a a client that comes to you and says, well, we want to target everybody? Well, you can, yeah, absolutely. Look at Apple, for instance. They target everybody. I guess overall, they're quite neutral, you know? So... Yeah, it just depends on what, what it's for, essentially. So so do you ask your clients, like, is there a split of male versus female, for example? Yep, so are they close to 50-50? Are they 70-30? Yes, we do. We yeah, do. and, and there's, that, that has a big impact, right, on the colours that you select ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all those questions, you know, will make up the, the perfect solution for us to at least research and, uh, you know, find a colour palette that suits when I say fine, like we, we use inspiration as we as I suggested, but then we will come up with a, our own color palette and we'll often give a couple of options to the client as well to see what works well for them. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, um, I spend a, if we do logo designs, I spend a lot of time on color initially because I yeah. think it makes or breaks a logo or a brand. And I've got to tell you, you know, the last, I would say the last half a dozen logos that we've done We've proposed a color palette based on the same type of questions that you're talking about, right? right? And and it looked awesome, but the clients had hesitations and asked us to show them different colors. And on every single instance, they've come back to the original color palette. <laughs> so I think putting the effort in is important, you know. And look, I think if you're going as far as a brand design, designers, you know, I'm a big fan of getting it right in one hit, but... Sometimes you do have to, you know, go through the process with the client and show them why another colour looks bad, you know. Yeah, so true. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, once we've sort of done the research, we've, we've done the, uh, the questionnaire um, and we've got some reference, then when we try to put the colours into a colour palette, you know, a limited colour palette, we need to make sure that they work in harmony with each other. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different rules about what colors, you know, do work with each other and what don't, you know, even rules that are quite extreme. But for instance, if you have like a bright red or um, let's say a bright red next to a bright blue and they're quite vivid, where the colors touch is something that will visually move. Like it's hard if you have like a red letter on a blue background, 
it looks like the letter's actually moving. And I think that's called a congruent color, which, um, you know, is something you want to avoid because it's really quite painful to look at. But there are rules about what colors will work uh, and even, you know, down to what colors represent. So if you have red and green together, you know, most people think of Christmas. So you might want to avoid that if your product or, or website has nothing to do with Christmas, for instance. And make sure you relate them in the different places where you're going to use them. You know, you talk about it meaning something in Christmas, which is great in Christian cultures, but, I mean, you've got to be careful as to what colour combinations mean in other cultures as well. I mean, you know, when we when we design, we have, we have clients that deal with China a lot, right? And there are some colours that are, you know, very strong and very powerful in the Chinese beliefs, right? Yeah. And there are others that are not. They're almost contradictory. They're, like, you know, offensive, so be be careful and know your market as far as the colours that you're using. That's a really, you know, I hadn't even thought of that recently um, until you brought up the whole Christmas thing. So, yeah, be careful. Yeah, absolutely. And and then obviously you want to think about how much percentage of each of the colours you would use in the design. You don't want to sort of, let's say you have, you know, three or five colours in the colour palette. You don't want to spread them evenly. You might have one sort of dominating color, especially if it's like a website and you really want to have the call to action stand out. You would put that in, you know, the contrast, the most contrast color from the color palette so it stands out the most. Yes, yeah, so you'd have a primary color, a secondary color, and then supporting colors, something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And be yeah. strategic about the, what those are because if your secondary color is always going to be used, say, for the main message or the call to action. You've got to make sure it actually stands out. There are a lot of companies that have very neutral secondary colours and then they put all their call to actions in neutral colours and it just disappears into the design. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it's got to be contrasted. What do, you think, what do you think about using a non-brand colour just for call to actions? Yeah, look, I encourage it. Sometimes it needs to be done because the, the brand, especially like on a website, a web page, for instance, the client might have a very strong brand style guide and you have to follow that. But if you follow that to a T and don't have the call to action button in a contrast color, it's going to affect their conversions. So we absolutely encourage it. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, keep your call to action color different from everything else. So yes. don't use it anywhere else. That's right. So if you've got a, a you know client that's got blues and grays and blacks and whites, for instance, in their branding, then you probably want to use an orange or you know a green, lime green, or something that stands out more. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. So really thinking out the use. You know, it's not having the color palette's great, but you need an expert to then implement it and use it in the right way. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then you know, if you're using color in say a family of products that might be different flavors for instance um, or different you know types of products within a family then we generally like to use and you probably do this a lot Al you know you might have a range of colors in a color palette and you use one strong you know color for each one of those products or flavors yeah, absolutely. So it's it's almost like a an index. It's a it's a color code. Yes, a code for for that range. But it's important to pick those carefully too, yes. right? Because if you don't, you can very easily have it get mixed up, you know. And and you want to make product selection really really simple for your for your customers and do it consistently, you know. So the same colors that you prioritize on that individual product. I mean, a great example is things like educational workbooks, right? Yep, and we do yep. we do a bunch of 
training manuals, instruction manuals, educational workbooks, and we quite often get asked to colour code sections, right? And then in the next document, they use they want to use a different colour coding system. So we question that quite rigorously because we say, well, we, first we ask the question, are the same people reading these documents? And if they yeah. are, why not set a precedent so they get to know the way that colour code works? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you can use this in your um, services if you're selling services online as well. Um, you can have different colour for each service so your customers will get to know what that colour represents. Yeah, I've seen that overdone. Um, I have one client in particular that has four service lines and for the last 10 years they've been using the same colours to represent each service line. The problem has become that the service lines no longer relate back to the brand, to the core yeah. brand, and then yep. that's been detrimental for them. And that was that. I mean, that wasn't our design choice. That came from their global uh, marketing division in the US. So we had to adhere to those brand guidelines. Yeah. Um, and now they're trying to transition to a singular solid brand, and the individual divisions are be- becoming very resistant because they've spent ten years training their customers to recognise those colours as them. And now they're going back to the core brand colours and and there's a bit of um, confusion in the brand. And they'll get over it. And I think their strategy is far better off is to go with that core brand. So you've got to find the balance, right? Don't overdo colours. You know, work out what it is that you want from, you know, the different colour schemes that you might have in that family and make sure that they're used elegantly and they're used subtly, strong enough that people recognise it, but not too strong that it draws away from your core brand and your core message. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And that's why we have like a, a whole, you know, range, like a, a, a color palette. And we generally, you might have like three of your strongest core uh, brand colors, but then there might be another two to three secondary colors that you'll use that still complement and tie in as a whole, but you'll use them across, say, different products, for instance, but they still need to be that one overall color palette that's in harmony with each other. Definitely. Yeah. Here, here. <laughs> cool. So, and then if we're talking about color in images, so, um, you know, obviously you want them again to tie in with your overall brand, um, look, you know, your overall brand colors. Um, but there's some certain things that you can do to any type of photo, for instance, to give it the overall look and feel that you're after that your brand uh, needs. So for instance, you can change the levels of color or the tones or the depths or the hues or the saturations. Yeah, and, and you know what? Even just really simple filtering. I mean, Photoshop has got built-in warming and cooling filters. Yeah. Right? It doesn't have to be excessively complicated. You could build yourself a little library or a standard of these are the things we apply to the image to bring it in line with the brand. Yeah, there's iPhone apps these days that allow you to skew colors. And just think, is your brand a warm brand? Is it a cool brand? Is it a happy brand? And make sure that the, that the tones in your images are brought in line with that. Yeah, and you can also use uh, like more neutral images. Uh, even if you have a color palette in your business, you might want to think about using black and white images. I mean, they have such a strong impact and I think they're really cool as well. Yeah, and they go with any color. You know, they do, so yeah. so your your business colors then override the tones in the images rather than vice versa. So Exactly. You know, look, I, I think I think this kind of leads us into the use of colour, right? And this is something that I think people don't take seriously enough, you know. It's not just the selection of colour. It's how are you going to output it? What finishes are you going to use on it, 
you know, a black and white image, right, can look really striking, say, for example, online on a gloss screen um, and on a gloss print. But often it can be really flat if you use it on a matte finish or an Mm -hmm. uncoated finish, right? So, you know, I'm going to go back to that client I just mentioned before that we did the outer packaging for, right? They are a neutral color, right? And we use silver where we can. And most of their work is uh, matte finish with a gloss silver, right? So it creates contrast, right? And when we use silver on matte, it just looks flat it, it looks unfinished it doesn't have any class to it right so on their outer box we've made the strategic decision although all their other packaging so this is their shipping carton all their other packaging is matte but their shipping cartons are gloss because the silver ink that we've used looks fabulous in gloss right uh, nice. so it creates a brand contrast the shipping carton is not meant to be their product carton so you know it can have that differentiation but really think about you know, what is it that you need to do? Do you need to make uniforms? Because if you need to make uniforms, you need a colour that can be replicated in a thread that can be stitched. Mm, yeah. You know, if you need packaging, you need economical colours if you don't have the budget to do, you know, s- your own s- special runs with foils and, you know, spot UVs and all these other types of finishes, right? And yeah, business owners, you might be glazing over with this, right? But it is a consideration because you will show, I guarantee you're going to show samples to your designer saying, I like this. They're going to implement it. And then you're going to freak out when you find out how much it costs to produce. Yeah. And a spot UV, you might just want to clarify what that is. So a spot UV is a gloss liquid overlay. It's like putting a varnish, but only on a very specific area on a printed design. How good does it feel when you've got, say, a matte card and then there's a glossy bit? Look, like any design, it creates interest. And if applied well, it looks fabulous. And actually, it's becoming more and more cost-effective these days to Mm -hmm. produce because a lot of the big print companies are having spot UV as part of their gang runs. Ah. So they will actually run a run where the printing is done and then the whole sheets are taken for spot UV and done in one hit rather than job by job. So it's economical. Yeah, definitely. But you, so what you need to think about, right, is where are you going to use it? Vehicle signage, you know, uniform, in-store promotions, on TV, on the web. Do you need, you know, do you need wide format printing? Do you need offset printing? Are you printing it off your own in-house laser printer? You know, all of these things have a massive impact on how your brand colours are produced, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've seen brand colours that have beautiful, you know, well-selected Pantone colours, but those Pantone colours can't be printed off their in-house printer effectively. Yeah, true. You know. So what's a Pantone colour? So <laughs> now we're getting into technical <laughs> nitty-gritty. All right, business owners, listen up, right? You don't need to know the details of this. So there are different colour systems, right? There's RGB... Right, which is stands for red, green, and blue. Right, and red, which green, is and blue. Backlit. Yes, red, green, and blue is what's used for any type of screen. Right, so whether it's a flat panel that you have on display in a retail outlet, your computer monitor, your home TV, your your phone, they are RGB. Right, then there is CMYK. Now these are is this a four color mix. So so in any of these, they use these colors to create every color that's available in that spectrum. When printed? Well, RGB for screens. Yes, yeah, And CMYK for printing, right? Yep. So CMYK stands for cyan, magenta, yellow, and black. So to get um, a blue, you use a different ink mix to what you'd use on a screen, 
mm-hmm. right? Now, what people don't realize is color is not as simple as what you can see. So each one of these color types, right, has, and I'm trying to just simplify this for the business owner because I want the, the business owner to understand this as much as the designers, but each one has its own color gamut or color spread or color range, right? And CMYK is limited compared to RGB, and RGB is limited compared to what you can see. So what I'm basically saying is you cannot replicate every color in every type, mm-hmm. right? So this is why companies use Pantone. Pantone is a international standard for printed color. For a right? color matching system. It's a color matching system. That's right. So you can actually go and you can pick a color from the Pantone system and you can send that to any printer anywhere in the world and say, I want to match this and they will have the same references to match to. So there's no chance of getting it wrong, Mm -hmm. right? And generally they mix inks very specifically to match that color reference guide, right? But it is challenging (coughs) to use because you need a print machine that is capable of having an extra tank with the specific color. Okay. Right. And word of warning for Pantone too is make sure you're using the right Pantone books. You know, mm-hmm. there's coated and uncoated, and the same color can look very different. Yeah, most definitely. Um, when used in different outputs, you know. So, you know, sometimes with a client, I will actually discuss with them should we dumb down the color palette to work with the minimum color gamut available on the print production run, which is often CMYK. So, why do you do that to make it cheaper? No, well, you make it so that the colors are consistent, right? So the same example I used before, the fluorescent green. So, you know, I sat and I I worked it out for that client. We could have toned down the green so it could have been easily printed in CMYK, Mm -hmm. but then his uniforms and his mouse pads and his website wouldn't have looked as bright or vibrant. Yeah. Right? So, you know, it's it's basically going to the, the minimum common denominator, Right, and saying, let's use the color that can be printed at the lowest standard, and then every other standard can can apply it. Right now, I see this really commonly. Graphic designers listen hard, right? And I'm sure most of you have, have heard this, and business owners be aware of this problem. Greg, how many times have you sent a print design, a print proof to a client, and they've checked it on an iPad and gone, "Oh, the colors look terrible." <laughs> yes, absolutely. Right? Because Apple devices in particular can't represent cyan as a color on the screen. It comes out this bizarre fluoro green because mm-hmm. it just doesn't know how to translate that color into RGB. Yep. Right? And the same with things like blacks. You know, people say, oh, but I can't tell the difference between these two tones because on the screen it can't differentiate between the two different tones of black. So how do you get around that? Ah, well, firstly, we have a little warning. If you're viewing this, if this is a print file and you're viewing this on an iPhone or an iPad, please look at it on your desktop. Yeah. And secondly, we proof often in RGB because it represents better on screen, but that has its problems as well. Mm. Because when you export a CMYK file in RGB, it actually converts it. So yes. the colors can be different. So as long as you're aware of it, right, you can make sure you don't fall into those into those traps. Do you ever right? print and send samples? clients oh yes if it's color critical and we're having those kind yeah. of problems we will print it and we'll post it to them or we'll deliver it to them so yeah sure um, that's a little harder on a global level and i mean we work wholesale today so our clients are aware and they're not doing those kind of things where they're looking at a cmyk file on an ipad or if they do they know that that problem exists and occurs 
But, you know, colour selection and colour matching, you know, it's it's a serious thing. Ask your designers, you know, can I pay to have some printed samples? It's not always an option. I mean, there are printers that will have what they call plotter proofs, which are actually printed from an inkjet printer, um, and the inkjet printer is calibrated to match their production press. And that, that proof is great for their press, but if you then go somewhere else, you'll have to do the process again. Yeah, yeah. It depends on how serious you take your colour. That's true, yeah. And even if you take it extremely serious and you get everything perfect in print and on web, etc., um, especially the print stuff, it's going to fade over time. And certain colours fade more than others, don't they, Al? Yeah, look, the, the, look, fading these days I, I wonder about, you know. Um, look, I'm particularly conscious in wide format because people often put things in displays in storefronts where, you know, you've got afternoon sun really hammering that print and it will fade. But, yes, reds and oranges in particular fade far more or it's noticeable, the changing colour. But, I mean, your website doesn't fade. No, that's true. <laughs> but Absolutely. the problem you, the problem you do have is every monitor is different. Exactly, yeah. You know, and especially if you're going to pick bright colours, you might pick an orange and have that as your brand colour, but you could go to five different monitors in your office and some will look muddy brown and others will look fluorescent orange. You know? Most definitely. And unfortunately, yeah. don't hammer your web designer about that. That's not their fault. You know? Yeah. It's, but it's out, of, out of our control. Just on that point, though, for all web designers, what, one thing that we do is we make sure that we give things a little bit more contrast just to, uh, let's say, for instance, you have um, you know a, a light grey background and you might have a, a mid-grey font on it. That might be really legible and easy to see on a Mac, but it's a good chance on a crappy PC it's going to look terrible and you might not even be able to see it. So we'll just bump up that contrast a little bit more to allow for uh, you know crappy monitors. Yeah, well, that's the same thing as I'm saying in print. You, you're going for the minimum common denominator. Yeah. Right, so you set it up for the worst possible scenario, yeah, and then everybody gets to see something that looks great. Yeah, and another thing I might just touch on while we're talking about website design with color is even though your brand colors might be you know red, black, and white, for instance, you don't want to use a big red background because it's just going to kill conversions. Your website, your visitor is going to get really upset because it's quite painful to look at a, a red background. So. Yeah, just make sure it's, uh, you know, quite neutral overall. Yeah, and, and look, if you do go for some of these, you know, fancier fluorescent colours and foils and metallics, just be aware that they can't be replicated online. So, you know, in your when you're designing your brand, have your contingencies. I mean, any, any good um, designer that's designing your brand will give you specific colours for print use, and for online use, they should give you both color palettes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. CMYK yeah. and RGB. Yep. Yes, yes. And cool. Pantone. Yes, yeah, spot color if possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's Even right. if you don't use it, it is nice to have a Pantone and know what that reference point is or what the closest reference point is. Agreed. So, mate, Good. Um, we've covered a lot. That was, that's awesome. I look, I, I'm, I love color. I think, you know, I, I've actually, 
you know, become really passionate about understanding color ranges and color gamuts, whereas you are really, and this is the photographer in me, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, and understanding how to output color, whereas you're really focused on that front end of how to pick the right colors. Yes. So it just makes for a really interesting conversation. I've learned heaps from you today, so thanks for that. Yes, yeah, same with the technical stuff, so I appreciate it. All right, so cool. what's our listener action for today? Yeah, look, I mean, for me, uh, I just want to say that I can't stress enough how important it is to have a simplified color palette that is has been designed for your target demographic um you know the main reason is because it's it's much easier to remember um especially when you use it across all of your touch points and it will be more likely to resonate with your target market what's yours al mine is just stop and think about where you use your color and is it appropriate Mm -hmm. you know um like you say i see people do some crazy things both online and offline, using really vibrant, strong, bold colours just in the wrong place, you know. And it it distracts from the core brand or it distracts from the message that you got, you're trying to get across. So, you know, make sure you're using the right colours in the right place. Um, go and take, you know, smartphones are awesome for this kind of thing, right? Go and take photos of all your different materials, right? And then... Um, Put all the photos up on your screen side by side and see if you have co- coherent colours, you know. So that's that's my tip for the week. Greg, mate, it's been awesome. Listener, thank you for joining us today. Uh, farewell, and please pop over to the website and ask us any colour questions below this post. Just jump in there and leave a comment and head over to iTunes and leave us a review. We'll uh, catch you next time. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, Al. It's been an awesome episode. Thank you, listener, and I'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to The Real Magic Podcast. Hear more at therealmagic.com.